After the Virus, Episode 17. Radio Static, then a conversation in a foreign language. There are others alive in far-flung lands. In this episode, a cryptic musical code delivered over the airwaves. Think you could solve it? Here it is if you want to try to decode it yourself. Listen to it, write down your thoughts, pause the podcast, and give it a try. If you can't figure it out, don't feel bad. It took Will and Hope weeks. Oh, and don't forget to start the podcast back up. Interestingly, we found a marine radio on one of the boats. This evening, while checking it out, we attached it to the houseboat's battery. On one of the channels, we could barely make out what sounded like a live conversation in Chinese. Knowing someone was alive and capable of seemingly intelligent conversation was both thrilling and chilling. November 18th. Today the weather warmed, and all day long we could hear the whoomph of snow falling off the trees. The thousands of waterfowl on the lake took to the skies in circling flocks, and the air was filled with sounds. We decided to add some fish back into our diet and took the canoe to a couple of rocky points, where we caught a number of large brown trout, which we had for dinner, with leftovers for future meals. December 3rd. The past few weeks have been blissfully uneventful. Days spent repairing gear, fishing, bow hunting geese. Much of the snow had melted. Then last night, a major storm moved in, and this morning, it is snowing hard, with six inches already on the deck. We are now picking up what seems to be a coded message on the marine radio. There are no words, just tones. It is not a code Will is familiar with, but we're having fun trying to figure it out. December 20th. Who would have thought that you could have been snowed in on a houseboat? Not actually, but with about two and a half feet of snow on the deck and shore, it kind of feels like it. The last couple of weeks had felt something like normal. If two unrelated people living on a houseboat on a deserted lake in the middle of winter can be considered normal. But, compared to the non-stop fighting for our lives of the previous months, it gives me an odd sense of hope that somehow the world might heal. Certainly, the wildlife seems unconcerned about the human-created problems. And from hearing the code, and from other bits of pieces of conversation we've caught on the marine radio, and other languages... It seems that there are other survivalists out there in the world, carrying on some type of existence. We spent almost the whole day trying different ways to crack the code, which we have been toying with for a few weeks. Fortunately, Will knows a few things about code. Some of the basics to solving them are identifying one or two letter words, and most common letters. Then, it's a matter of trial and error, over and over again. The hardest part of this code 
is that it's made up of musical notes rather than letters or symbols. We have found a harmonica on one of the houseboats. We assigned a value to each of the 20 notes on the harmonica. And while listening to the code being broadcast, we would match the tone to the note on the harmonica and write down the number. Unfortunately, there are more tones than harmonica notes. So for unknown notes, we assign symbols. December 25th. A white Christmas, if the date is correct. It has been snowing continuously for three days, and about five feet of snow has fallen. We regularly clear off the roof and deck of the boat, so as to not be weighed down by the accumulating snow. Thanks to the weather, we've been spending most of the days inside the propane-heated boat cabin, where we continue to monitor the codes broadcasted and convert the tones to numbers. Momentary pauses seem to separate letters. Longer pauses may separate words. Two reoccurring sequences have us puzzled, but perhaps will be the key to helping us interpret the message. Per our numbering system, there are nine, 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 at, at, nine, eleven, eleven, at, 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 nine, nineteen, and nine, 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 at, nineteen, eleven, eleven, at, 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 nine, nineteen. December 26th. More snow. We are running low on game meat, but have plenty of cans. Hope to hunt and fish again soon. December 27th. Skies cleared yesterday afternoon, then last night the temperature dropped dramatically. Outside surfaces are frozen and slick, and the lake surface has developed a thin film of ice on top. The bulk of the waterfowl have left except for in the unfrozen middle of the lake. We have not seen a mammal in weeks. Will says he will try some fishing tomorrow. Today we had success with the code. We determined that there are six different versions of the message being repeated. All six feature the two odd sequences we have discovered earlier. But other than the shared sequences, each of the six messages is different. We are considering the six messages independent of each other. The big news is that we figured out what the shared sequences are. Based on the letters, we assign to the numbers. 9 equals I, 11 equals M, 19 equals V. I suggested that those are all letters found in Roman numerals. So piecing them together, we got I, 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 at, at, I, M, M, at, 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 I, V, and I, 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 at, V, M, M, at, 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 IV. As at had to be one of the six letters we didn't have a musical note on the harmonica for, and those letters are J, K, Q, X, Y, Z. The only one of those letters that has a Roman numeral is X. Therefore, I, 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 at, V, M, M, at, 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 IV, had to be I I I X V M M X X X I V, which translates to 3 2034, a date three months away.
December 29th. Froze hard last night. We can now walk to the shore on the ice, though the ice towards the center of the lake is still forming. This in-between stage makes fishing dangerous in the canoes as it must be pulled out onto the ice, then gotten into when the ice becomes too thin to walk on. Fortunately, we got in the canoe without breaking through. We fished the little bit of open water and caught just one very large trout on the bottom. We were so cold we could barely speak, and I could hardly feel my hands so we headed back to the houseboat to make an early dinner. The houseboat was listing a little from the ice thickening and Will was concerned. December 31st. More cold, more ice. Will is worried about the integrity of the pontoons as the ice expands. We wish now that we had run it right up onto the shore before the freezing began. January 1st. A new year? Based on the key we've created, which converts the notes to numbers and the letters that we've applied to the numbers, we spent the day trying to decipher more words. On our first try, we've come up with the first two words. 10, 9, 1, 12, 8, 5, 7, 18, 13, dash, at, 9, 1, 13, 3, 8, 18, which we have translated, Leon Hegu, Xiochu. Will thought it looked like Chinese, which neither of us know. So we decided to try another one of the six messages to see if they were all in Chinese. Our second try was very different, but still unintelligible. The first few words translated to, Yorerno, Unecto Heni, Organiati. While the first two words mean nothing to us, the word organi at sea was at least practically familiar. Question mark equals one of the unassigned letters. We decided to try a third variation of the six messages. This one turned out to be clearly in French. It began with Le dérange du programme de dédication nucléaire des nations Without knowing French, we both sense some of the meaning. Programme d'éradication nucléaire certainly sounds like nuclear eradication program. Could des nations unies be United Nations? The remainder of the message went on. Commencera la 21st Mars 2034. La navire a destination de la zone de sécurité unit. La Porta de Hollande, D15, Mars, 2034. Will seemed to recall that there were six official languages of the UN. English, Spanish, French, Russian, Chinese, and Arabic. It appeared we had begun deciphering messages in Chinese, Russian, and French. Six messages, six official languages. The implications were frightening. Port Dokland could only mean that something was due to happen on the port of Oakland on March 15th. We now anxiously sat about decoding the last three variations. The next seemed to Will, who had served in Afghanistan and Iraq, to be Arabic. On her fifth try, the words became horrifyingly clear. The United Nations Nuclear Eradication Program will commence on March 21st, 2034.
Last transport to the safe zone departs Port of Oakland, March 15, 2034. While the words are clear, the message is less so. Is the message real or hoax? Is the United Nations doing the eradication or being eradicated? Who is being eradicated? Why is the message coded? What is the safe zone? We spent the rest of the day and evening debating these questions. January 2nd. A deafening crack in the night had us scrambling out onto the frigid deck with flashlights, peering over at the pontoons. The left pontoon, the side that was lower since the boat started listing, had caved under the pressure of the thickening ice. We could hear water moving within the pontoon, and the boat began to tilt more to the left. Shit. Will spat. I'm not too worried about sinking quickly in four feet of water, but it looks like we won't be able to live in it anymore. Better start shuttling our stuff to land and figure out what we're going to do about shelter. We spent the rest of last night making multiple trips to the shore, where we staged most of our things in the snow, near the base of some small pines. Unsure of what our next move would be, we decided that instead of building ourselves a snow cave, we would get a large fire going for warmth and try to get a few hours of sleep near it. Getting the fire started in the snow took a number of tries, but eventually we had a bonfire made of dead wood killed by the recent forest fire, and we got three hours of sleep before waking to the sub-freezing dawn. Eating some canned goods and coffee over the coals, we discuss our options. It looks like we've overstayed our welcome at this elevation. We should move down below the snow line. That's where we'll start to find game again, Will said. But where would that be? We can walk down the main road at our peril. We can walk down a canyon, but that'll be tough going. Or we can walk a ridgeline. The old Lassen Trail runs from right near here to the ridge between Deer and Mill Creeks and would eventually take us near our original camp. It might also lead us to the valley if we wish to go there, where we might find out what this March 15th event is all about, Will said. And so we spent the day once again organizing our gear, keeping the most needed things and leaving the rest. With all of the cabins, caves, and boats we visited for the past month, we have replaced and replenished much of our gear and supplies multiple times. We still have guns and ammo, bows and arrows, some tools, sleeping bags, and warm clothes, and lots of heavy canned goods. We will continue to pull the travoy as long as we are in the snow, to allow us to take some extra food, at least for the foreseeable future. Will is anxious to start, so we began walking in our snowshoes at midday, and got as far as the Soldier Meadows campground, where we built a large fire to huddle around for the night. January 4th. It began snowing again around midnight, and by morning it was snowing so hard we could barely see each other, so we just focused on keeping the fire going. As the fire melted, the surrounding snow we find we are in, an ever-deepening pit, at least sheltered from the wind. January 5th. Writing this from inside our snow cave. Been snowing continuously for three days, with no let-up in sight. We began piling snow into a six-foot-high mound, tamping it down firmly as we piled it. Then using our shovel, or anything else we could, we began excavating a burrow underneath the mound to create a relatively warm, wind-free sleeping quarters. The main opening is about two feet by three feet, 
opening into an eight foot long trough, about which we have flattened two 30 inch wide benches. We poked numerous air holes through the ceiling, which we regularly clear to keep open. We smoothed out the ceiling as best we could to help avoid drips from condensation and melting. When we are awake, we continue to feed the fire outside at the base of the trees. We are forced to venture further and wider to get dead wood to feed the fire. Then we huddle around it. Now that we are ready to try to sleep for the night, we arrange our sleeping bags on the packed snow benches, lock the opening with a tarp, and will attempt to sleep. January 8th. The last few days have been a nearly unbearable repetition of finding wood, feeding the fire, melting drinking water, heating food, keeping the air holes open, and sleeping. As the snow has continued to fall, we are feeling a little like the Donner Party. Thanks again for the pleasure of your company. Don't forget to order your own copy of the ebook or paperback at Amazon.com.